Good morning, glory to Jesus Christ. My name is Anton Cook. I am your host for the Christ Our Hope shows. It's a great, great time, great, great day. Today we're celebrating Pentecost. Uh, for those who who have not been following the church calendar, today we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, the fiftieth day um, following the resurrection of Christ. And uh, this is actually a pretty interesting, interesting feast because. Uh, it's it's a celebration really of a of an elevation of a different uh type of feast um back in the old days it was called the feast of tabernacles right the feast of tabernacles which we do here inside of um we do here inside of the uh scriptures several times going to the feast of tabernacles and and uh, and yeah, so what is the Feast of Tabernacles? Very quickly, um, and then we'll get into some some business stuff. Uh, so the Feast of Tabernacles is the third great annual pilgrimage festival when the Jewish people would gather together in Jerusalem, not only to remember God's provision in the wilderness, but also look ahead to that promised messianic age when all nations will flow to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. It's so important and beautiful that today we're celebrating this elevation of the feast of tabernacles because the jewish people right they 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 had this they had this concept that and they knew that all nations were meant to be saved right in the feast of tabernacles they saw and knew that um that all nations would flow to jerusalem to worship the lord and today on pentecost which is the birth of birthday of 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 the church right um that fulfillment that promise is fu- is fulfilled it is met um that's such a beautiful thing such a beautiful thing so anyways uh, very quickly um uh, I, I, I tended i tended to jump jump ahead of myself a little bit there uh but that's cool um, so yeah, so um, if you guys, any, if you have not liked and liked the show, if you don't follow our podcast, please do that now. Uh, or do that whenever you get an opportunity. Um, share our podcast um, out to others. Uh, we are here to uh, to proclaim the, the the message of Jesus Christ within the tradition of the Greek Byzantine rite. Right, the Greek Byzantine rite. Um, we are. Uh, uh, I am a Ukrainian Greek Catholic. I am uh, not speaking for uh, or representing any any eparchy or anything else. Uh, I do teach from the Christ our Pascha Ukrainian Greek Catechism um, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church because the U- Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church is a uh, is one church of twenty four churches in the Catholic Church. Um, so we we seek to um, to help others come to a greater understanding of the Catholic faith and to live out this faith in the beauty of uh, of the church and of the Byzantine Greek rite. So uh, so th- that's that's one of the things that makes today so special, right? Because today what we've got going on here is is really. Is, is really just pointing us towards this absolute truth of the whole church, right? So there's so many people out there that these days, they say, oh, okay, well, you're, oh, you're Catholic. And they automatically think Roman Catholic, but it's so much bigger than that. That is the, that is the most beautiful part. Today's 
feast is the feast of the church. And we see that fulfilled so easily and readily in the fact that we have 24 churches in the Catholic Church. We have the Roman Catholic Church. We have the Chaldean Church. We have the Armenian Church. We have the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, which is the church I am a member of. We have the Melkite Church, the... Um, uh, um, there's there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them, um, and so it is. It is great and so beautiful to see this. Now, something that I I want to talk about today because I feel like it's on my heart and I want to reflect upon these scriptures because, man, we have some great scriptures here um, that we that we've got today. Uh, they're absolutely beautiful. They really talk about. Really, the the essence of what we mean um, whenever we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So the first question that we have to ask is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? It's a very important question, right? And so uh, for this, I want to go ahead and I want to turn to um, I want to turn to Christ our Pascha. If you have your Catechism, you can uh, turn to page thirty nine in that Catechism now. And, uh, and and we're just going to read from um, from Article ninety one from Article ninety one. Okay, it says the Holy Spirit is the third divine person and proceeds from the Father. This procession of the Holy Spirit can be explained through an image, making use of an analogy. The Father is the source, the Son is the stream, and the Holy Spirit is the water. There is only one source for the stream and the water. Only one Father for the Son and for the Holy Spirit which, like water, flows from the source and fills the riverbed and stream. The Holy Spirit is a divine person that is equally worshipped and glorified with the Father and the Son, proceeding from the Father, coming to rest in the Word, and expressing the Word. The Holy Spirit is often compared to breath, by which the spoken Word resounds appropriately. Within the Most Holy Trinity, the Father speaks the Word, begets the, word begets the Son by the Holy Spirit, and it is this breath which, in the moment of utterance, becomes the articulate word, revealing in itself the force of the word. So uh, let me let's kind of break that down Barney style a little bit, you know, because some people may be like, okay, whoa, what, what does that even mean? So it's out of the between the east and the west. There's there's always been this kind of um, debate, which has has been has been fixed, right? Has been fixed. So we we've come to rectification on this. Um, but our the- theological schools look at it two different ways, but we arrive at the same the same uh, the same uh, uh, ending. In the East and in Eastern uh, theologies, right? We believe that, uh, and you'll hear this when we say the the creed. We say that the that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, and then we stop, and then it says, "With the Father and the Son, He is worshipped and glorified." Okay, so something that's important important about that is that we believe and and we profess and the whole church now professes this so it's not just us but just the way that we that we look at it our theology kind of the path that we arrive at that is a little bit different than the roman theology so the way that we see it is is god is the source of all things right he is the source of all things the father is the source of all things from the father Begots the Son, and from from the Son, and and from uh, from uh, God, the Father also proceeds the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, right, is not from 
the Father and the Son. We don't believe that in the Eastern theology. That's that that would be that would be wrong to 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 uh, to say that. Um, it, go read Gregory Palamas's Procession of the Holy Spirit, and you'll cl- quite clearly uh, find the the Orthodox and uh, Eastern theological view on the procession of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a very great read, regardless, depending upon you know, regardless if you if you if you you know care about this this topic or not, um, an absolute phenomenal read. Um, but rather, we believe that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, right through the Son, and this is where we in both the East and the West and the Church have come to an, an agreement, right, that the that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son. There are several places in Scripture that we can see this truth, um, one of which is um, inside of this morning's Matins Gospel, right? The Matins Gospel. In the Matins Gospel, and uh, it's in John 20, verse 22, it says, When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again for you so that you kind of understand where we're going. Verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what are we seeing here? What we're seeing here is that Jesus is breathing the Holy Spirit upon his disciples. He has given them this this Holy Spirit before he sends it at Pentecost. So what he has received, what the disciples received, right, received is the Holy Spirit, the actual Holy Spirit. Now, many people would say, well, this shows that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, that it proceeds from the, from the Son as well. But the, the action here, and this is where the catechism makes note and why it's so very important, right, is that it says, it says, the Holy Spirit is compared to breath, right? The Father speaks the word by the Holy Spirit. The Father speaks the word by the Holy Spirit. So it's a twofold action, right? It's a twofold action. And so this is important. I'm going to go to uh, verse 98, and we're going to read that real quick inside of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because I think that that will also, um, also help help out. It says, The Holy Father has made a distinction between the interior life of the Most Holy Trinity and the revelation of the Trinity in creation. In the Most Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit proceeds, or ishkodut, from the Father, the one and only source of the Most Holy Trinity. When the Holy Father spoke about the action of the persons of the Trinity in creation, they professed that the Father sends the Holy Spirit through the Son. St. Cyril of Alexandria, professing this very same faith, explained this sending of the Holy Spirit through the Son, quote-unquote, as the fact that the Holy Spirit, quote, comes from the Father and the Son. This interpretation was emphasized by the Fathers of the Council of Florence, some are saying the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son. Others saying the Holy Spirit comes from the Father through the Son. All were aiming at the same meaning in different words. The opinion was also expressed in the Articles of the Union of Brest, where the Church came, the Ukrainian Church came in, back into communion with Rome. The Holy Spirit proceeds from one source 
as if from a wellspring from the Father through the Son, end quote. So, what do we say? We say here that when we're looking at these scriptures, right, what we're saying is that the Spirit is not proceeding from the Father and the Son. It proceeds from the Father through the Son, right? We see this in the scripture. It is God, the Father, who acts. He acts. In his speaking of the word, there is the breath. That breath is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the word. The fact that that received the Holy Spirit is said is not so much an action of, of Jesus, but rather is an action of the Father. It is the Father who is sending the Spirit. But he is sending it through his Son, Jesus Christ. Right? Sending it through the Son, Jesus Christ. You may be saying, why is this important? Well, we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit. So, now that we've received the Spirit, right, what does that mean? What does that look like? What effect does that have, right? So, so, so what? I received the Holy Spirit. Oh, great. Well, what do we see at in Acts on the day of Pentecost, right? We see, we see, actually, let's just read it right here, Acts 2. Um, is from the liturgy today. It says, now, uh, and it's verses 1, and um, we'll, we're, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going we're gonna to read up to 6. Okay, so it says, uh, Acts 2, verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts 2, verse 1 through 6. It says, now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So the Spirit here is a unifying action. It's a unifying means, right? The Spirit is not sent just for the sake of sending the Spirit, but rather what we see here is that the Spirit is, is being sent so that we can receive something. We can receive unity because at the Tower of Babel, there was division. There was division because of our sin. But here, in Christ's righteousness, us who are participating in that righteousness, we are receiving this Holy Spirit, and it is uniting us back into being one people, one kingdom, one church. In the Catholic Church, there's so many languages. So many people speak different languages. We have pe people in Africa who speak African languages. We have Native Americans who speak native languages. We have... Uh, your standard languages that you would that, that you see pretty much all over the world English French Spanish Arabic Russian Ukrainian the, the 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 list goes on of the many languages that exist within the Catholic Church and this brought about because of Pentecost because of the coming of the Holy Spirit the descent of the Holy Spirit onto the church onto this onto Christ's people this unifying action of the Holy Spirit is meant to help us to help us walk with Christ in unison together. I want to read Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verse 
27, it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Here, what Christ is talking about, what the scriptures are talking about, right? What the scriptures are talking about is that this Holy Spirit is coming inside of us to help us walk in righteousness, to walk in truth, to be fully deified. And it is the Spirit who deifies. It is God, the Holy Spirit, who wells forth the energies of grace inside of us and allows us to be holy and righteous and just. It is not an action of ourselves, but it is an action of our participation in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, right? Walking with that Spirit and being open to being purified by that Spirit so that we ourselves can be saved. And that is the true action of salvation. That is the true action of justification. Not by anything that we do, but our constant our constant entering into that relationship with Christ and specifically with the Spirit, praying in the Spirit and saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The church fathers talk about the synergy of God, the synergy not only in the Trinity, but the synergy between God and ourselves, moving and acting. What is synergy? Synergy is is when two energies come together and work together. It is the working together. We ourselves have to work in the economy of God, the economy of Christ. Now, you'd be saying, you might be saying at this point, well, you're saying that you're being justified by your works. You're not being justified by your works because all of your works are equivalent to a menstrual rag. You are justified by the works of God within you. Now, let's read, the, let's read James. It says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith because of my works. It is the Holy Spirit and being open to the Spirit within us that allows us to be saved and allows us to walk with that Spirit. When we walk with that Spirit in Christ, when we walk with that Spirit with the Father, when we worship the Father, when we pray with the Holy Spirit, when we give alms and give food and clothing to the poor and to the homeless, when we visit the imprisoned, whenever we help those who are in need and less of ourselves, right, When we do these things in the Spirit of Christ, in the Spirit of God, in the Holy Spirit, right? Then we are saved. And the justification is not because of the work that we ourselves have done, but because we have given ourselves to be the hands and feet of God. The justification is not because of our work, but rather, brothers and sisters, it is because the justification is given by the grace of the Holy Spirit living within us that has moved us and acted in us in such a way and us being open to being moved and acted in such a way by the Holy Spirit that the faith of God is shown and the faith of the trueness of God, of His faithfulness and of His promises shines forth inside of us and illuminates those who are around us. 
And then those who are lacking and who are inside of the darkness and despair of this life, who have not come to the fullness of the knowledge of Christ, the fullness of the, the fullness of the knowledge of the Spirit acting and moving within us, they are illuminated by us, and they too are able to be saved. But we have to let that fire of the Holy Spirit be inside of us. That is necessary. We have to let the fire of the Holy Spirit not be snuffed out, as Christ says, by a bushel basket. But rather, we have to let that light so shine among men that as it says in the Gospels, that they shall see your Father in heaven and he might be glorified. This is what we are called to do. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to give us eternal life. I'd like to read just a short extract from Metropolitan John of Pergamos. He says the eternal survival of the person as a unique, unrepeatable, and free hypostasis as loving and being loved constitutes the quintessence of salvation, the bringing of the gospel to man. In the language of the fathers, this is called divinization or theosis, which means participation not in the nature of the substance of God, but in his personal existence. The goal of salvation is that the personal life which is realized in God should also be realized on the level of human existence. Consequently, salvation is identified with the realization of personhood and man. Patristic theology sees man in the light of two modes of existence. One may be called the hypostasis of biological existence, which is, that is to say, our material and our, our spiritual. And the other is the hypostasis of ecclesiastical existence. Death is the natural development of the biological hypostasis. The sensation of space and time to other individual hypostases, the sealing of the hypostasis as individuality, in its attempt to affirm itself as hypostasis, it discovers that finally its nature has led it along a false path towards death. But the hypostasis of ecclesiastical existence is constituted by the new birth of man by baptism. Baptism leads to a new mode of existence, to regeneration, and consequently to a new hypostasis. The first and most important characteristic of the church is that she brings man into a kind of relationship with the world which is not determined by the laws of biology. Man appears to exist in his ecclesial identity, not as that which he is, but as that which he will be. The ecclesial identity is linked with the eschatology, that is, the last things. That is, with the final outcome of his existence. In Christ, the objectivization and individualization of historical existence, which implies distance, decay, and death, is transformed into existence and communion, and hence eternal life for mankind and all creation. In a like manner, 
the individualization of human existence which results in division and separation is now transformed into existence and communion, whereas the otherness of persons is identical with communion with a body. The resurrectional aspect of baptism is therefore nothing other than incorporation into the community. The existential truth arising from baptism is simply the truth of personhood, the truth of communion. A new birth is required for this, simply because birth by normal procreation is for created things destined to death. But eternal life needs the new birth of baptism as a birth in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, just as Christ's own birth was in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, go read the Gospels, so that each baptized person can himself become Christ, his existence being one of communion and hence of true life. What does that mean? It means, brothers and sisters, that what we are being called to is, is our ecclesial identity. This world that we live in seeks to bring into us this concept of individualization. Be your own person. Don't let anyone dictate what you believe. Don't block this, that, and the other. But when we become members of Christ, when we become members of His church, you are required to submit to the ecclesiastical authority that God Himself has given. God Himself has put into place. God Himself who has taught us, has delivered and has given to us the teachings of the church for a reason. He has not left us. He did not go up and ascend into heaven and then just disappear out of nowhere. Brothers and sisters, that is the false lie that the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that you are left alone. He wants you to believe that we are no longer in anything except for the Holy Spirit who comes in and in every now and then to men in the backwoods country who no one's ever heard about. And he's revealing special things to them. But these things which are contrary to the teachings of the church that has stood for 2,000 years. Brothers and sisters, this is deception, this is distraction, and this is not what God is calling. God is calling us to faithful adherence to the teachings that have stood for 2,000 years. When we become baptized in Christ, we become one in Christ, we become one church, we become one body, we become one person, we become the fullness of what God has desired for us since the beginning of time because God loves us. He showed that to us on the cross, He showed that to us at the resurrection, and He shows it again at Pentecost on this day that we celebrate in the church because God loved us so much that when we were still sinners, He died for us. He rose from the dead and He sent forth the Holy Spirit that we might be saved. And not that we ourselves could be saved inside of our own little habitation of ourselves, but rather that we may be saved in the community of God, that we may be saved in the community of Christ, His church, His people, His orthodox Believers, that is, the right believing believers who follow the faith that has stood for 2,000 years, who's been handed down in the traditions of the fathers from day in and from day out. That is the faith of Jesus Christ. And I tell you right now, brothers and sisters, that you better be on your guard because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion trying to turn you away from this truth, trying to turn you away from the truth of the Gospels. 
He's trying to turn you away from the divine liturgy. He's trying to turn you away from the Blessed Virgin. He's trying to turn you away from the communion of the saints. He's trying to pull you away from everything that you think is good and holy today. He'll make it a sin tomorrow because that's what the devil desires. But brothers and sisters, we have hope and we know that in God's Holy Spirit, we are saved. And we will be saved and we are working to be saved as long as we continue to walk in the faith that God has given to us through our Holy Fathers. We cannot, we cannot pull ourselves away from them. We must learn to lean upon them and upon the teachings of the magisterium. That's a Greek word which means the teaching of the wise ones, the teaching of the church. So that we might be saved. And you may be saying right now, well, where do I find these teachings? Brothers and sisters, Christ our Pascha Catechism, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Go and read it. Go and read the Bible. Go pray. Do yourself even better. Pray. Pray. Pray the Jesus Prayer. Don't just read without enlightenment, but be enlightened, illumined, through the grace of the divine liturgy, the grace of prayer, and enter into that relationship with the Spirit that you might be illumined. Let that mystical catechesis, that mystical life that is flowing within you, for the Holy Spirit is within you, brothers and sisters. If you have been baptized into the Catholic Church, yes, the Holy Spirit is within you. It is waiting to be unlocked. It is waiting for you to say yes to what it can do in you. We always hear these days that people want to complain about how the world is is going this way or that way, how the world is falling into sin, how the world is being led away from the true teachings of Christ. Well, I'm going to tell you now, brothers and sisters, if each and every single one of us will get over our individualization and instead cling to the teachings of the Holy Mother Church and enter into the full relationship with the Holy Spirit, then the world probably would not be where it is. But rather, we ourselves have not been doing our job. But rather, we have expected that the priests and the deacons and everybody in, in, the, in the ecclesiastical hierarchy was going to do our job for us. But newsflash, brothers and sisters, it doesn't work that way. We are called to be leavened to the world. That's from Pope Paul VI. He says that our job in as evangelists in this world, right, is very clearly to be leavened in the world. That we are called to bring the light of Christ to those where we are as the laity. That is our job. That is not the job of the deacon. That's not the job of the priest. That's not the job of the bishop. It's the job of you. It's the job of me. It's the job of all of us. If we are truly living our ecclesial identity, if we are truly being Greek Christians, right? If we are truly being Catholic Christians, then we should be bringing Christ to every ounce and every quarter and every 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 place that we go to should be illumined by the light of God. So I would say, brothers and sisters, that we have a lot of work to do ahead of us. 
We have a lot of work to do ahead of us. But today is the day that we can get started on that. Today is the day, the Feast of Feasts. The end of the Feast of Feasts, actually. It is the culmination of the Feast of Feasts because we receive the Holy Spirit and we celebrate that eternal life that God has in store for us and that God has sent to us. And tomorrow, tomorrow begins the our activity of living the Apostles' Fasts. The Apostles' Fasts. As we approach these 14 days, actually it's a little bit more than 14 days, to the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul, let us approach with humble thanksgiving and the joys that God has given to us. Let us approach with the peace and love of God, knowing that we have truly received a great light, that we have received the heavenly spirit. And brothers and sisters, let's make a promise today to be the leaven of the world as the church calls us to. Let's stop living in this, living in the world, or for the world, rather, but let us live in the world and be the light of Christ. Let's stop living as if this world is the last thing, because it's not. There's an eschatological reality beyond this. There is an end thing. There is heaven. There is the rejoicing. There is the place where we too shall ascend to one day. But, brothers and sisters, unless we start living like that today, we won't see it tomorrow. Unless we start living as if heaven is for real and we are fearful and dreadful of the other place and we want to go there and we love God with our whole heart and with our whole soul and with our whole mind, unless we start living like that today, we won't see heaven tomorrow. Actually, God says, Christ says, where we will go. He says, if a, tr- if a tree bears no fruit, what good is it? But rather be to be cut down and thrown into the thrashing fire. And I'm not trying to get all fire and brimstone here. I'm just being real with you. We are called. We are called to better living. Our call to holiness stems from our call of baptism. It stems from the baptismal call. Our call to evangelize comes from our baptism. It is the reason why I'm here. It is the reason why I'm preaching to you today. It is the reason why I'm calling you out and saying, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest for your souls. Not that I can give you rest, because I can do nothing, but Christ can and Christ will. And we are all beaten down by this world, brothers and sisters. We all are. Hyperinflation seems like it's on the brink. Our country seems to be failing. There seems to be so much horrible things. We have the we have the transgender movement, which is causing confusion in our in our young young men and women. We have we have uh, homosexuality that is rampant. We have all sorts of horrendous sins you know that that are taking place around this country and yes we got to win by the re- overturning of Roe versus Wade but our fight is not over our fight is just beginning and we 
cannot let these things beat us down, though. Because at the end of the day, we have those simple words. And when you feel as if you are being beaten down, as if you don't have any means of coming to, to, to hope, I hope and pray that these words would, would, would lift you up and remind you of what we are fighting for. And it is this, Christ is risen. Christ is risen from the dead. And by his death, he is trampled upon death. And in those in the tombs, he is granted life. He is granting us life, brothers and sisters. He is calling each and every single one of us today to live with him, to worship him, and to work with him in this world. I pray and I hope that that you would open yourself up to him this day and that, uh, that, that, that action of opening would bring many souls to Christ and including your own. I hope that if you are in need um, of anything and, uh, and, and, and you truly need the grace and love of God, that I pray that, that you would seek out God, go to his church, find one of our churches um, and go there and worship. If you're not Catholic, right? Um, then I pray that you would find one of our churches as well and come and join us. Worship with us. Come learn who we are. Come and see, right? Um, I'm not, I'm not here to, 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 to sit here and say that, uh, that, uh, um, I'm not going to try to write an apology here. It's, this is this isn't apologetics. This is this is the truth, and uh, you know the only way that you're ever going to come to a true realization of the truth is not by sitting there reading books. You know, uh, even the devil's read those books. The, the devil knows the Bible for like the back of his hand. So you know, don't don't sit here and think that sitting here and debating about theology and doctrine and dogma is going to do it. Rather, come and see. Come visit one of our churches. Come visit us. Uh, come worship with us and come and find the truth for yourself. And you will see uh, that this is the true church of Jesus Christ, that we are called to this great living, this great life, this great love, right? And uh, we, uh, we hope um, that you would join us inside of, inside of our worship. Uh, okay, and so that, that's all I got for the day. Um, I know I probably ran a little bit uh, longer than what I really wanted to, but really felt the spirit kind of moving me there. Um, yeah, so uh, if you have not followed our podcast, I hope I hope that you would. Um, I know I get a little excited, a little bit passionate. Um, you know, uh, you know, I haven't I haven't done an introductory uh, an introductory um, podcast yet. Uh, maybe I'll do one um, soon. But uh, yeah, so uh, anyways, if you have not liked and subscribed to our podcast, uh, please do so. Please share our podcast if you, if you like my preaching, if you like this preaching, um, and, and you like my preaching, then, then pre- please uh, share it. You know, I, I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit is working through me and that uh, He is, he is uh, helping. He will help me. I, I know He will because um, uh, God is faithful. God is true. God is love. Um, that, that He will help. Uh, me and my my mission to spread the gospel of Christ to all nations and to all peoples. So, uh, with that being said, brothers and sisters, glory to Jesus Christ. Um, 
you know, uh, and I, uh, I hope that you'll join us uh, every Sunday as we kind of do these reflections on the Holy Scriptures and uh, get out there and start preaching, start proclaiming, start working with God inside of His, His Spirit so that all might come to the knowledge and the truth of the name of Jesus. Glory to Jesus Christ.